Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week. Boy, the weeks just keep flying by. So we are in the last full week of September. We finish up September next week, and we are moving right along. We are getting very, very close to the end of the month, which is the end of some deadlines as far as budgets go and as far as... Um, the debt ceiling goes. We've got some crunches going on and some infighting and all of those things. Next week, I expect to be a pretty crazy week. But for right now, let's focus on this week. Hopefully, you have all had a good week. Things are pretty stable here, so I'm thankful for that. And on we go with our current events. The audits are moving forward, and right now, as we speak, the um, Senate in Arizona is holding a meeting. We have um, the Maricopa audit report. I'm going to start with just the news. Draft report of Maricopa audit finds Biden won, but flags as many as 44,000 votes as critical. Now, I expect that we're going to find out more in today's. This was just a draft. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously we'll have to look into it next week. But the draft report, roughly half of the flagged votes fell into the category of mail-in votes without ballots received. The official announcement of the results will be made public today by the state Senate Republicans who called for the audit. Though the official findings will be made public Friday, Randy Pullen, a spokesman for the election review, has confirmed the, the validity of the draft, telling news outlets it's not the final report, but it's close. The draft audit was reported first by KGZZ, a Phoenix public radio station. Okay, he won the state, Biden, supposedly, won the state and its electoral votes by just over 10,400 after securing Maricopa County. However, the audit conducted by contractor Cyber Ninjas and subcontractors is not complete. The state Senate and Maricopa officials recently reached a settlement to allow former representatives Shadeg and a team of tech experts across experts access to internet routers and logs showing online activity related to election balloting. That is because they did not respond to subpoenas initially. And then they were basically forced in court and they knew they were going to lose. So they have finally agreed to hand over the, the routers and hand that just prove that you didn't have them hooked up to the internet. If you have nothing to hide, why were you ignoring subpoenas? Why did you have to go to court? Just turn them over. Let them look at it. If there's nothing there, then great. Then we have to live with what happened and we move on. But you cannot, if you are running for anything today and you see what happened in 2020 and that's not fixed, if that's not fixed, whatever happened, and we can't tell what happened unless we do these audits. If we don't fix this, 
There is no 2022 in 2024. We will never have an accurate election again. We will have whoever they want to install. It has nothing to do, in my view, and the talks like this are what makes us look bad. It has nothing to do with necessarily righting the wrong from 2020, because I'm not sure we can do that. I don't think there's going to be a magic wand that waves and we realize what happened. We are proven correct that what happened happened and that it was cheated and all of those things. And then somebody's going to wave the magic wand and hand it back over because it wasn't theirs to win. That's, that's, there's no magic wand Okay, we have to we have to fix this before we can have a 2022. You cannot vote your way out of a problem you didn't vote your way into. Just a few of the the um, the red flags that have popped up. None of the county's election numbers match. None of them. The ballot images are corrupt or missing. The election data apparently was intentionally deleted. Illegal ballots counted from people who had moved. Ballots duplicated more than once and they are missing serial numbers. None of the various systems related to the elections had numbers that would balance and agree with each other. In some cases, these differences were significant. The numbers will never add up this way. There appears to be many ballots cast from individuals who had moved prior to the election. Files were missing from the election management system server. Ballot images on the EMS and election management system server were corrupt or missing. Logs appeared to be intentionally rolled over and all of the data in the database related to the 2020 general election had been fully cleared. 23,344 mail-in ballots counted from, quote, people that should not have received their ballots by mail because they had moved, end quote. 10,342 voters, quote, with the same first, middle, last name, and birth year, end quote, voted in multiple counties. Mail-in ballots are a joke. The official results versus Maricopa County's final records of who voted are off by 11,592, which is more than the election margin. How in the world could they certify these results? Okay, and it goes on. This was from Liz Harrington. It goes on and on and on the discrepancies. This is my point. This has to be the main focus. What happened? November 3rd, 2020. Find out what happened. And then we have to take the steps to assure that it doesn't happen again. There's just no moving forward until that is properly fixed.
Remember, we didn't vote ourselves into this problem. It's becoming evident. It, it's just, it's clear. But they make you the bad guy if you so much as bring it up. You know why that is? Because they cannot defend it. They know, they know, including, including some in the Republican Party. They know. They just wanted the one that disrupted the system out. They had no idea that things were going to be this bad, I don't think. This bad, this fast. We tried to warn. We tried to warn. Until we fix 2020, we cannot talk about 2022 and 2024. That's just the end of it. Alrighty, let's talk about the border. This week, oh man, the border just, it continues to be a disaster, an absolute disaster. At one point we had, I think it was 14,000 people under a bridge. They blocked, we talked about last week, they blocked the drones from being able to show the actual problem. They are dispersing these people. Um, they keep saying that they're sending some back to Haiti. I'm, there's conflicting results as to what is actually happening. But these people are being dispersed by buses, by whatever means. They realize that the, the look that is going on at that bridge with these encampments is bad. So they are trying to at least on the surface make it not look so bad and clean it up. And then this week, unfortunately, we had a situation at the border where the border patrol agents were using a horse to maneuver and some photographer snapped a picture and it it looked to the untrained eye, somebody who's never dealt with a horse, doesn't know the difference between what is going on, somebody who has no idea what they're talking about, made it seem like their border agent on this horse was using a whip. It was not a whip, it was a rein. Gracious. But, so now, the focus comes off of the poor handling of this situation. And of course, what do they do? They attack the border patrol agent. They attack law enforcement. They make it all about that. They, uh, clearly, it's the border patrol agent on the horse that is the entire problem. And then, as if that's not bad enough, Al Sharpton goes down and he then tries to make it a race issue. And you want to know why they try to make it a race issue? Because once you make it a race issue, we cannot no longer talk about it because then we will be racist. So by making it about law enforcement again and by making it what it is not, by having him down there and now this is a racial issue, Nobody's going to want to talk about it. 
Biden, just the news, Biden bans Border Patrol from using horses. Border Patrol agents will be banned from using horses in Del Rio, Texas, the Biden administration announced Thursday after viral photos showed agents on horseback capturing immigrants who crossed the border illegally. Initial reports indicated agents were using whips on the migrant, though that was later debunked, but concerns over the photos came up during the White House press briefing this week. One, we feel those images are horrible and horrific, Jen Psaki said. I can also convey to you that Department of Homeland Security Secretary conveyed to civil rights leaders earlier this morning that we will no longer be using horses in Del Rio. And there is now an investigation into the issue. Separately, it is more important for people to understand what our process and our immigration process is and what the steps are that are taken, she added. You know, they are crippling the border patrol agents. This is all very much a, um, this is very much purposeful, very intent. They, their intentions here are not good. Let's listen to one exchange from Peter Ducey in the White House briefing room with Jen Psaki. Should somebody say in uh, Laredo, Texas, or El Paso, or Tucson, Arizona, have to have their chance of catching COVID go up because hundreds of miles away there is an open border? Well, there certainly is not an open border. Uh, we are continuing to employ our immigration proceedings and process and restrictions at the border, and that includes uh, the implementation of enforcing Title 42, which is an authority, a public health authority. It includes uh, moving people into either uh, a process for expedited removal or removal proceedings. That is our immigration process that we are proceeding on. You say the border is not open, but we're told by our teams on the ground, you guys are releasing pretty much all family units, couples where the woman says that she is pregnant or single women who say that they are pregnant and that, that nobody actually has to take a pregnancy test unless they want to. So are you suggesting you don't believe when women say they're pregnant? Is that a big issue we think at the border? I am not in charge of keeping the border secure. Do you, you guys think are pregnant women are posing a big threat to the border you tell me. to the border communities. You is that a big me. issue? I'm not aware of pregnant women being a big issue of concern to people at the border. They, they are so smug and her and Peter Ducey have gotten into it multiple times. I applaud him. I really do applaud him. I want to have guts like Peter Ducey. Guys, this is a situation we have got to stay on top of. We cannot just let this go. We cannot be panicked about COVID, be forcing people to do things they don't want to do in the name of public health, and then have this occurring down there. It just cannot happen. All right, I'll continue to monitor. Let's move on to the next subject. Okay, let's talk about real quick the budget and the fact that at the end of the month, the new this year ends and then October 1st, a new, um, a new session begins, a new budget. They have to have everything approved. 
Now, things have been kicked down the road so long, (laughs) this has been gone ongoing for a while. So there's several things that are going on. We have have the infrastructure budget, we have the um, reconciliation, we have the debt ceiling, we have several things going on. And the answer to all of them is no, 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 no. And no, the the fact that we continue to make the same mistakes and nothing changes, hello, hello, we have no money, we are broke, and you continue to spend like irresponsible idiots. It doesn't end well. So of course, this deadline is coming up next week. Thursday is the 30th. They are in chaos mode. And of course, they're going to want to try to say, oh, we cannot shut the government down. People won't get their checks and people won't do this and people won't do that. We've survived government shuts down before, shutdowns before. Don't get panicked. They're going to want to blame this, of course, on the Republicans. But guess what? They control the Congress, they control the Senate, and they have the White House. The same way that the Republicans screwed this up when they had Paul Ryan and in the beginning when they had the House, the Senate, and the White House, that was their fault. That was on them. I criticize them as much as I'm going to criticize these people. Take the blame, do whatever, you have to fix it until you come to us and you say, and this is why they have to come to us, because they don't have the money. They do not have the money. They cannot tax their way out of this. They use our money, which we invest in our 401ks, And that's why they need us. That's why it is important that your representatives hear from you. Let's listen. Listen, let me let me tell you about this article in Just the News. Schumer, we've reached a framework with Biden to pay for three point five trillion budget reconciliation bill. The White House, the House, and the Senate have reached an agreement on framework that will pay for any final negotiated agreement. And it goes on and on and on about meeting with Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and House Speaker Pelosi. And Schumer announced the framework, but he didn't take questions. And Pelosi declined to expand on specifics. Hmm. Democratic senators such as Joe Manchin of West Virginia have said, The 3.5 trillion figure is too high. You know why? Because Joe answers to his constituents. And here in West Virginia, who won this state? Joe may be on their side, but he still has to answer to his people. He lives in a state that is not, it's not blue. (laughs) He has, he, listen, he's a smart politician. He really is. And whether he will stand true to this, no, I don't know. But obviously he's taking pressure at home. 
And there's this same situation with cinema. They have people on their side whose constituents are going to be on them as they should be, as you should be. If you live in Joe Manchin's um, district, he needs to hear from you. The ones in my district need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. That's just the end of it. When asked whether the size of the spending bill is being reduced, Pelosi did not elaborate. She predicted that Democrats will be united in passing the final reconciliation bill. When asked about the framework, Schumer announced Senate Budget Chairman Senator Bernie Sanders replied, I have no idea. They are in a panic. They are in a panic. They, at this point, do not have the votes, thankfully. Let's talk about this real quick. Let's go through the four no's. So we have this $3.5 trillion packet that's going to bankrupt the United We are already in trouble. This will bankrupt it. There is nothing in it worthy of bankrupting our families for. Nothing. It's full of trash. It's full of the same problems, and they add more problems. The infrastructure bill, the $1 trillion infrastructure bill, which has anything but infrastructure. It has the Green New Deal. It has other sleeper sneakies in there, strengthening the IRS. They want you to be able to have to report any transaction in your account over $600. Gracious, unfortunately, I know people whose car payments are over $600. So every time you make a car payment, that's going to have to be reported. Anytime you make a deposit, a, a deposit of over $600, that has to be reported to the IRS by your bank. That's the kind of crap that is hidden in these things to strengthen the IRS. They're going to need to make all of this happen. They're going to need to raise the debt ceiling again because we don't have the money. We are broke. So if I am maxed out on all of my credit cards and things are a little rough right now, whatever, and I call and I get an increase on the credit limit, right? But then I'm still not making anything more. I'm not making any changes. I'm spending the same way or even worse, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna max out the credit card again because I didn't change anything. And then guess what? I am in an even worse position. It's the same concept. You wouldn't be able to do this in your monthly budget. I know I sure as the world wouldn't be able to do it in my monthly budget, but they're trying to do it in hours. They have to know that you don't approve them using your retirement. You have to let them know that. So no on raising the debt ceiling. You got us into this mess. You figure out where you're going to cut and get us out of that. And until you come to me and say, okay, these are the changes that we are going to be making. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And hey, you know what? China has put us in an absolute mess and we've had to spend how much money because of COVID how about we go ask them for that money? 
So you come up with a plan, just like if I had to go to a bank and ask for a mortgage, I have to prove to them that I have a plan and how I'm going to pay that back. Same thing here, people. Get a plan and then come back and ask. And until then, the answer is no. No on the continuing resolutions. Grab bag of spending, including this is where they're trying to throw in amnesty, which they were told they don't have the standing to do, but they're probably going to do it anyway. That's going to be in these continuing resolutions. So the answer is no, 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 and no. The sky is not falling. Be smarter. What in the world is wrong with our representatives? Gracious. There, there's nobody that can look at this and say that it makes any sense and, ha and do so with a, without being dishonest. Of course, there are people that are going to say it, but they know we don't have this money. They know. They don't care. They do not care. They are willing to hurt whoever they have to hurt to get their way. I have this written out and emailed out to my representatives. I am going to put this in the notes, exactly what they need to say no to. And please consider emailing it to your representatives as well. We have got to stop the spending. We have got to stop just continuing to increase a debt ceiling, basically a credit limit, without a plan. If they have to shut down and figure it out, so be it. Okay, I want to talk about Afghanistan. I'm going to try to get through this relatively quickly. Um, the CDC has alerted medical officials about potential infectious diseases being spread by Afghani evacuees. Um, after the CDC announcement, Pentagon Press Secretary Kirby said Afghan evacuees were required to get the MMR vaccine and then be quarantined for 21 days. These um, Infections, disease, infectious diseases include measles, mumps, rubella, and diseases for which Americans have already been vaccinated or should have been vaccinated for. All arriving Afghans are currently required to be vaccinated for measles as a condition of their humanitarian parole. And critical immunizations like MMR are being administration, administered for Afghans at safe havens on military basis. I can't talk today. As of September 20th, 16 confirmed cases of measles and four cases of mumps among Afghan nationals and U.S. citizens who recently arrived from Afghanistan. Jeez. So far, this is an important number, 124,000 people from Afghanistan, including roughly 6,000 American citizens have been flown out of Afghanistan. 124,000 people flown out of which only 6,000 of them are American citizens. So that's on our military bases. Also on our military bases, Afghan evacuees in U.S. charged for child rape attempt strangling woman 
in Wisconsin. Two Afghan evacuees were transported to the United States as part of President Joe Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan have been charged after one allegedly tried to rape a child and the other strangled his spouse. I've told you our cultures are so different. This is why it is important that they, I don't want people, especially SIVs that worked with us, to have to endure the Taliban, no, but there are plenty of places places in region. First of all, we have no idea to know. These very well could be terrorists. We have no idea. It's a problem. Okay, West, the Western Journal. Reporter discovers thousands in Kabul still attempting to flee, including U.S. citizens and green card holders. Thousands of people are still seeking to flee Afghanistan, including Americans, more than three weeks after the Biden administration pulled U.S. military forces in Taliban. Thousands of people still trying to flee. And Trey Rinks, Trey, Trey Ying, Yings, Yingst. I think is how it says, but let me read. Thousands of people are still trying to flee Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. U.S. green card holders, people who live and pay taxes in the United States are trapped. We met a man today who runs two businesses in Atlanta. He's stuck with his family right now in Kabul. We also talked to a group of former U.S. embassy workers. They proudly showed me photos inside the embassy working for the Americans. One had an email from the deputy chief of mission. They are still in Kabul despite promises they would be evacuated. There are still U.S. citizens here as well. The daughter of that man from Atlanta has a U.S. passport. We've met multiple American passport holders still in Kabul. Some made it out on Qatari flights, others did not. We have people trapped. They might wanna move on from it, but we can't. We cannot. All right, we're going to talk real briefly about COVID. I wanted to mention that there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal, the flimsy evidence behind the CDC's push to vaccine to vaccinate children. A tremendous number of government and private policies affecting kids are based on one number, 335. That is how many children under 18 have died with a COVID diagnosis code in their record according to the Centers for D Disease Control and Prevention. Yet the CDC, which has 21,000 employees, hasn't researched each death to find out whether COVID caused it or if it involved a pre-existing condition. Without these data, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice, Practices decided in May that the benefits of two-dose vaccination outweigh the risk for all 12 to 15. This is crazy. This is, this is pure, absolute crazy. You know, there is a chart that was released. Get this. Per Kirpin, you find your age on the chart. And then the second column is how many have died of COVID-19 between January of 2020 and September of 2021. And then the third column is the number of people in the US who are that age. And then the next column is the percentage of people 
of that age who have died of COVID. So when I go to my age, deaths with COVID of my age, 2,361. The population in my age group is 3,837,909. And then that makes the deaths with COVID as a percent of population to 0.062. Very low risk. The kids, if you look up here and until you get to 13 years old, up until that time, it's 0.000%. 13 years old, you have 0.001. So less than a percent. 14 goes back to 0.000, and then 15 to 17, 0.001. 18, 0.002. There's little risk involved. So why less than one death per 100,000 for all ages under 17, less than 10 deaths per 100,000 for all ages under 29, and less than 100 deaths per 100,000 for all ages under 50, less than 1,000 deaths per 100,000 for all ages under 78. The bottom line is here that the risk is low. Is it very serious? Can it be very serious? Yes, it can be for some people who have are over a certain age or who have pre-existing conditions or something underlying that they don't know yet. Yes, it can be. All right, let's continue. Without these data, the CDC advisory committee says that the two dose outweigh the risk for all kids 12 to 15. I've written hundreds of peer-reviewed medical studies, and I can think of no journal editor who would accept the claim that 335 deaths resulted from a virus without data to indicate if the virus was incidental or causal and without an analysis of relevant risk factors such as obesity. And it goes through that his research team at Johns Hopkins did all of this. And they, they are still, so our report found a mortality rate of zero among children without a pre-existing medical condition, such as leukemia. If that trend holds, it has significant implications for healthy kids and whether they need two vaccine doses. So why are we going to let them do this to our children when they have not even properly done the studies? If that's the choice you make because you have reviewed all of, all of the information and you decide that that's what's best for you or you think that's what's best for your child, then I'm, I'll have to respect that. But with everything I am reading, there is no way, there is no way that they are not rushing through this. They very much are rushing through this. They are not looking into it thoroughly, and they're using our children 
as guinea pigs, and there are pediatricians going along with it. There was a report out of Texas where a family went in for a doctor that their other kids had been with. She has a smaller child in the car with her, and that pediatrician asked her if her and her husband are planning on being vaccinated, and she said, no, at this time, we are making the decision that we are not taking the vaccine, and she was told that she then had to find a different pediatrician. They were no longer going to have kids in their care that the parents are not vaccinated and that they have no intentions of vaccinating their children for COVID. That is ludicrous. And really, a serious question regarding vaccination and, and the forcing of this, the forcing of medical workers, the forcing of kids, you think this is not going to end up being some kind of a requirement in some schools in very liberal places? You are wrong. It is coming. I have warned you. They are looking at kids younger than 12. They are not stopping. But shouldn't we at least test for antibodies first before we give shots? Natural immunity is proven to be far better than these shots. Far, far better. That is proven time and time again. So why, before we put something experimental in a child especially, why can we not test them for antibodies to see if they have the natural protection that they need? Data says cases of reinfection have two shots and side effects from those who've had COVID in the shot, yet nobody is finding antibody le optimum antibody level. So we have, two two, we have people with two shots. You have your first shot, then your second shot, and they're still not showing the antibodies. But yet people who have had COVID have antibodies for an extended period of time. These are all questions that you have the right to ask. Don't let them tell you any different that you don't have the right to ask. I, I want to, I, you know, there's just so much, there's so much. I've made it quite clear that I am declining the vaccination. Um, my husband declined the vaccination. He had an exemption approved. And that's, that's where I stand on it right now, at least. If more data comes out, uh, another vaccine comes forward and it, it looks better, I'm, I'm open. But as for right now, I want nothing to do with this. Number one, and this is why, I am COVID, I'm COVID recovered. I have had it. And the science indicates that my immunity is far more robust than what I would obtain through their vaccines. They're proving that for me. The vaccine companies don't stand behind their product quite, this, quite the opposite. They have complete immunity for anything that results out of their vaccines. And the one that is so-called approved isn't available here. You have no right to sue Pfizer or Moderna 
or Johnson & Johnson if there is a problem with a vaccine that you can currently receive in the United States. Most significantly for me, those that are promote, promoting the vaccines are behaving completely insane. They are irrational, they lie, they suppress, they censor, and then they shove mandates down throats. I don't trust them and that's their fault, not mine. I am not willing with natural immunity, with all of my health problems that I already have, already have immune, uh, autoimmune problems. I am not willing to take the risk and be injected with an experimental product that I don't even need simply because an entire establishment is bullying me. I don't want it. I don't feel I need it. And it's my body. So I'm not getting it. That's it. If you get it, that's your choice. Your choice. I have to respect your choice. I'm asking that everybody be respected. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay not to just automatically trust. We are learning more and more that we cannot automatically trust. I've said all along, I think if you're over the 55, 60 range, or you know that you have some of the major, um, the, the major pre, pre, you know, problems, comorbidities, whatever, diabetes, obesity, your age, those kind of things, then it might be worth the risk for you. I don't see this as being worth the risk for me, and I definitely do not see it being worth the risk for children. They are our most prized individuals. They are our pride and our joy. In my opinion, we should be trying to avoid risk where is not, it is not warranted. And we can see in the charts that children by far are usually in that 0. 0.000 category. So why, at the very least, are we not testing for antibodies before we are placing an experiment on them? If they have the antibodies, they don't need any shot. But like this article was saying, why will they not just see if one shot works? Don't make them come back for the second shot. They may not need it. And the CDC with 20, 21,000 employees, doesn't have time to look into 335 cases of deaths in children? No, that's not my fault for questioning that. That's theirs. So I am, I am absolutely begging you 
You're going to have people in, who, in your life who agree with you on the vaccines, and you're going to have people who, who do not. They've made their decision. You have to make yours. They decide for their children. You decide for yours. My point is don't let anybody bully you into being on their side. Do your own research. Make your own decisions, not based on fear, not jumping into something because of peer pressure or because somebody might be left out of something. Don't just don't be pressured one way or the other. Do your own research and then stick to your gut. My gut tells me that there are big problems with these vaccines. My gut also tells me that they are not going to admit to it. I think we'll find out far down the road. But don't shame people in your life whatever way they go on this. And if somebody is trying to shame you about your decision on this, this says more about them than it does about you. Gracious, we have got to, to do a better job of not blaming somebody else. They, they want you to blame the unvaccinated. They want you to blame. There's lots of blame to go around. Gracious, this is, if you want to blame somebody, let's stick with blaming China. We're losing our minds. We are losing family members that can't see this family member because they chose not to be vaccinated. Or we have weddings where you have to put your vaccination status on on the thing. No. No, please don't do that to people. Here's the bottom line. COVID is here. COVID is here. And it's very likely that at some point, everybody's going to catch it. And it's being proven that people that are vaccinated are still catching it. That is not the unvaccinated's fault. Unfortunately, the vaccines do not seem to be as effective as we had hoped that they would be. That makes it clear that we just have to use common sense We have to make sure that we are healthy. Gracious, that's something I have got to get back on track with. We have got to make sure that we're taking our vitamins and that we're just using common sense and that we are also having common courtesy with each other. Alrighty, I think that finishes up this week. Hopefully you all have a very good week. We have a busy weekend planned here, another fundraiser tomorrow, and then a birthday party on Sunday, which I am very much looking forward to. It's always When your kids are grown, man, do you enjoy somebody else's little kids even more because you miss that so much. So I am looking forward to a great birthday party. Don't keep your heads down. Chin up. Chin up. Make sure that you're, you're keeping yourself um, informed, but you are, not, you are not focusing on it too much. We have lots of work to do, and that work, more importantly, 
can begin inside of us. Let's make sure that we are studied up, that we are um, keeping ourselves in check and checking on the people around us and making sure they are okay and we are just enjoying life. Don't be so afraid of something, especially dying. Don't be so afraid of dying that you are not living. We have to live. We have to enjoy our time here. We have to work to make it better. We have lots of work ahead of us, but I hope that you all have a great weekend and a great next week. I will talk to you at the end of next week.